0: Welcome to Lunch Money, the uh, online and social media home for workouts, special situations and uh, capital raising professionals. Uh, My name is Nick Samios. I'm the director and fund manager here at Hermes Capital. And uh, as usual, I'm your host. um, So a very warm welcome to you. Um, just a reminder to uh, like share and subscribe uh, to lunch money on youtube Um, but a special request this week subscribe on your podcasting platform apple google uh, spotify or stitcher and while you're there give us a five-star rating why not um, if you're watching us live, we invite you to uh, pop a question uh, via LinkedIn or via YouTube or whatever platform you're on Facebook, for that matter. They've all got the uh, facility for you to uh, to pop us a question, and if we get those questions in time, we'll certainly try and get them in front of our special guests. Um, this week, I became involved with a special situation requiring funding. And of course, like all uh, of all of these restructuring situations, It really requires a lot more than funding. People think they need funding, but, of course, they need a lot more. And it was a formal restructure. There was an administration involved. And uh, with all of these uh, special situations, um, there's multiple stakeholders. There's employees, uh, suppliers. In this particular case, some of the suppliers were secured, believe it or not. There's uh, other secured creditors, equipment financiers, that sort of thing. And not to to forget, of course, the bank. Um, All of these parties have got there's competing interests, uh, competing objectives, Uh, Everyone's suspicious, there's a lack of trust amongst all these parties, and all of this is going on in the fog of war, where you have um, a great deal of uncertainty, and there's a lot of uncertainty in these situations in the best of times, and of course, you know, we're now in this COVID era, and so uh, it's uncertainty to the power of uh, pick a number. Um, I wanted you to picture this uh, scenario, and I tried to think if there was a scene from a movie that I could show you that, that would describe Uh, what it's like this milieu this parachuting into uh, into the whirlpool and there is a movie of course and that movie is anchorman uh what does anchorman represent well we've got the client uh strolling into the square into the action here we've got the business owner Uh, sometimes in this particular situation they've come waltzing in with their administrator um the administrator of course uh, has lawyered up there's a lawyer there advising the administrator and uh, the client of course has their own lawyer uh, who has their own ideas of uh, what a restructure should look like. Um, Then of course uh, we're confronted with the employees um, and the employees includes the management team as well as uh, key staff and and the people down the line, in this case uh, drivers and administrators, administrative staff. Um, All of this restructure of course has to take place in the uh, context of uh, uh, regulators. So, you know, we've got FEG and uh, the ASIC and the ATO, of course, and uh, they've got their own lawyers uh, all telling them uh, how they think the situation should look. We can't forget, of course, the suppliers. Um, and in this case, as I said, there were some secured suppliers. And the suppliers often uh, come on scene with their own insolvency advisors uh, who are telling them uh, how they should uh, do things and what they should ask for. And uh, we can't forget, last but not least, by any means, are the bankers. Uh, there's the bank, and the bank's got uh, their own lawyer. And of course, the bank also has whispering in their ears, sweet nothings from the bank's own insolvency advisor, the investigating accountant. Um, so here we have it uh, the stage is set. Um, and of course, no touching of the face or hair. So hopefully, I've given you a picture there of what a what a restructuring scenario typically looks like. Um, our first guest today is Daniel Woodhouse. Um, G'day, Daniel. If, uh, Hi, Nick. You've been you going? with us before. <laughs> Very good. Daniel's a managing director at FTI Consulting. Uh, he comes to us uh, all the way from uh, from WA. Um, Daniel is also a board member of ARITA, which is the Australian Restructuring, Insolvency and Turnaround Association. Um, how did you like my my little uh, representation there? Is that what it's like?
1: <laughs> it can be sometimes, I think, Nick. Um, yeah. I'm not sure whether I want to be uh, champ and I'm not sure I want Brian as my uh, my lawyer either. But um, yeah. Well, I didn't a give you Brick. Free, I no, I know. No. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. no, I'm not sure I want my lawyer saying I love LAMP next to me when I'm uh, sitting there. So, <laughs> um, no, no, it's that's great.
0: Thanks. Um tell me something what what uh, what what keeps you busy? What's been keeping you busy uh, of late since we last spoke? I mean you were on one of our earlier episodes. What's been keeping you yeah. keeping you going?
1: Yeah, the market's really interesting at the moment, Nick, and it's sort of it's operating I think in two speeds um if you like so um at the the top end of town, um things are definitely happening um from uh from an FTI perspective, we've we're finding as a global group, um we've found that um yeah, Hertz went into Chapter 11 in the US, so, we've, um, so we've, we're have we've so we doing a bit of work over here in relation to, to the to the Australian um, entities over here. Uh, we've got Speedcast that's gone into Chapter 11 in the US, so we've got our team in Melbourne doing a bit of work on that as well. And then obviously the flight centres and the, the web jets of the world sort of happened fairly early on in, in COVID. So at the top end of town, we've seen um, a bit of activity and that's kept a few people busy. And then when we start, we're starting to see a little bit in, in the SME market now where uh, previously, people I think were continuing to bury their head in the in the sand a little bit with it, um, and you know, and really just sort of looking at the the stimulus that have been provided as as giving some um, some some breathing space, which it did, and it's done that very effectively. Uh, but we're starting to see a little bit now in terms of the SME space where people are talking talking now about well, um, you know, a, a VA and a and potentially a dock to restructure what is going to be some legacy debt coming out of out of COVID. So. We're starting to have those conversations. Uh, there's been a couple of formal appointments in in our Queensland office, and we're right. starting to see a few more of those discussions play out. In the SME well.
0: space? In the SME yeah, space? Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. In the SME yeah. space. But it's, yeah. they're very preliminary, only just starting to happen.
0: I mean, the interesting thing about FTI, of course, is that it's, it is um, a little bit unique in Australia in that you are... Uh, you are a global firm, and uh, so you obviously—I know that you obviously uh, play a lot in the SME space, but you also reach up into into the corporate space. Um, mm. And so, so, um, you, I mean, if do you think there's going to be a lot more action in, in the corporate at the top end of town?
1: Uh, oh, look, it's a, it's a really interesting question. I think it's going to depend on the on the segment, the sector, and how badly it's been impacted by COVID. And so, mm. you're obviously, seeing the travel sector, I think globally. Um, there's a lot of funds that actually deal specifically with hospitality assets, so hotels right. and restaurant groups. I, I can see that they will need to um there will need to be some work done there, and I you know anecdotally understand there's some informal work already going on there, so I, I expect we'll start to see a little bit sort of happening in that space.
0: And you think um, that uh, at the smaller end, uh, one of the big problems of course at, at the small end is um getting owners of businesses to to face reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you think those reality checks are being had and they are starting to have conversations with you?
1: Yeah, they, they are. The ones that are proactive, I, I, my view, I mean, I think everyone was sort of thinking that you will get to September and the stimulus packages will come off. They've obviously mm-hmm. been extended now through to March uh, or some of them in, in sort of restricted terms. But um, I think even with the stimulus packages coming off, um, I wasn't expecting too much to happen this side of Christmas, and broadly, because I think the stimulus will come off will be, you know, three months out of Christmas, you won't start to see much pressure from the secured lenders in that environment, in an environment where we've just come out of COVID and we're heading into Christmas. Yeah. So I'm expecting the SME sort of stuff to really, really start sort of ramping up next year when when there starts to be a bit of a pressure applied.
0: And can I ask you and forgive me for putting you on the spot with this one right. um just just very briefly because it's a subject we could talk about for hours but you know in I guess not you know whether or not it's in your capacity as a as a board member of Arita uh or your own personal opinion um I mean do you think that the government should just take the training wheels off and let the market you know reorganize and and let al- assets you know assets and personnel be uh reallocated or should they keep trying to inflate the balloon yeah. Where, where do
1: you? Uh, yeah, look from a, from a personal perspective, I mean, like I, I don't think anyone really likes to see, um, you know, despite what people might think of a, a registered liquidator, um, I don't think anyone really wants to see that the economy just come uh, crashing down. And um, I, my my, this is my personal preference. You know, I really want to see a softer landing or a softer landing as possible. And and what I think will be a, a real shame is if we've got businesses that are profitable pre-COVID, um, and and because of COVID, aren't profitable moving forward because they they have that legacy debt. If we aren't able to restructure those businesses and make them um, you know, viable businesses moving forward, that will be a, a shame, not just at a personal level for the, the directors and, and everyone involved, their families, but just from a more broader economic perspective as well. We need well, a strong economy.
0: Well, we need productive capacity and we need people who create mm-hmm. jobs. And uh, there's no doubt about yeah. that. I guess the question is whether or not you know, you 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 reallocate the resources and the enterprise and the capital. Look, it's as I said, it's it's not a discussion for today. But of course, one <laughs> of the one of the issues that is a discussion for today is that when you are facing these VA scenarios, it's very hard to predict what's in the future, and uh, it's you know uncertainty and dealing with uncertainty is a big factor. So we're just going to put you uh, put you back in the waiting room there for a second, Daniel, and we're going to introduce our next speaker. Uh, who is uh, a specialist uh, on the subject of uncertainty. Uh, Bernard Desmet, um, who is uh, a leadership expert. Uh, He's a speaker, an accomplished facilitator, uh, a trainer and an author as well. And we do have uh, just a copy of your book here, Bernard. We'll just flash it up. It's uh, Inside Out Leadership, Um, and the subtitle of the book, I don't have my reading glasses on, but it's an excellent subtitle, is How to Master the Four Principles of Effective Leadership and Become the Leader Others Choose to Follow. And the reason I wanted to have Bernard on was, number one, because he's an expert in, in in leadership, of course, and uh, he has written a few articles on, on uh, uncertainty. And, but out of that milieu that I, that I demonstrated before, the Anchorman scenario, you know, you, someone needs to step up uh, and, and people do need to follow. Before we dive into all of that, Bernard, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us just a little bit about what keeps you busy.
2: Yeah, lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Um, maybe, interesting. Maybe I, I give a little bit of context to, to my background, um, different multinationals in the UK, South Africa, Australia. And, you know, the, the unfortunate experience was in, uh, in most of these teams, we, we consistently operated uh, at less than the, uh, the sum of our parts. There was more misalignment uh, in our purpose and focus uh, and common interest than alignment. There was, you know, more mistrust than trust. Uh, more was unspoken than spoken. So um, you know, I kept reflecting and kept staying in this question. You know, why if if teams are so powerful, is, is teamwork so rare? Um, and yeah, I've devoted the, the the second half of my career to uh, and my passion to to working with leadership teams. You know, helping them uh, flourish and, and consistently operate at more than some of their parts. So yeah, I've had uh, the wonderful privilege of working with. Uh, both in the public and private sector, across financial services, construction, retail, professional services, investment banks, fund managers There two themes that are keep recurring in the conversations I'm having. As one CEO put it to me last week, we were having a conversation, and he said that you know, pre-COVID, we were we were all teaming together in the office. D- during COVID and the lockdown, uh, we were all teaming apart. Uh, there was no alternative now. As we're entering into this hybrid phase, we're teaming together and apart. And, and how, do we, how do we coordinate action? How do we get done what's most important to be done? How do we secure cooperation and commitment? So that, that's, that's really a, a key theme emerging um, in my discussions and certainly keeping my, my attention um, focused on addressing those.
0: So you, you've done a bit of work in the construction industry, you say?
2: i have i have nick yeah that'd yeah. be a
0: little bit different i would have thought
2: well you know in in the construction industry um they've kept going they've mm. kept going um you know it's it's certainly and and i'm generalizing uh, i have the the wonderful privilege of sort of working through the vertical from multi-billion organizations to uh to 50 million dollar construction companies um the common the common um you know, I guess, gift in all instances is they they keep in going. You know, obviously under different uh, different circumstances, um, but uh, it's 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 more as business as usual than, than unusual, which which is encouraging.
0: Um, um, right, okay, and, I, I, and and so you go down. to, You said the, some of the smaller smaller turnover construction companies as yeah. well. So uh, yeah. that, that's really yeah. where the rubber hits the road compared to say financial it, services investment it, it you know. Companies.
2: I mean, one of my clients is more involved in, um, you know, commercial property and uh, in the retail space. And clearly, you know, their um, challenge is obviously just the foot traffic and, and what's happening in retail at the moment. So, that, you know, they would be um, in, in, uh, in the servicing side, you know, pretty, pretty stretched. However, you know, there's, uh, there's construction happening. There's new uh, opportunities uh, being, uh, being worked on at, at the moment
0: and um i know that when i spoke to you a bit earlier you said you hadn't seen the movie anchor man but um i'm sure that the the little uh, illustration there is that something that that you'd be familiar with having uh competing interests and uh, disparate uh disparate parties
2: yeah no, no, absolutely you know absolutely i think you know right now yeah nick you know the the most, in, in, the most critical thing is, is, is trying to understand where, where people are at. You know, I guess in your game, of course, there's, there's always the, the, the competing interests. In my space, there, there's competing concerns. And, and what I mean by that is if, if we think about this as human beings, we, we're never not in concern. We, mm. We're never not thinking, speaking, acting, listening from what's important to me that could be going better. And and right now, you know, we've got um, CEOs and, and executives in real concern about, you know, what does the future hold? You know, uh, How are we ever going to get back to levels of performance, profitability, and so on? Yes. You've got other members in the organization whose primary concern is, how am I going to pay the bills? I've been yes. stood yes. down, yes. I can't afford to live. Yes. So, Mm -hmm. um, whilst we've got in many respects, you know, in in I I guess it's never the simple, but in in your world, competing interests in the workplace right now—they they're really competing concerns, and Mm -hmm. how do we legitimise those concerns, um, such that that people have greater access and resourcefulness to to moving through what what is. You know, the only certainty in life, Nick, is uncertainty. Um, well, that's true. Look, we'll
0: bring, we'll bring, we'll bring Daniel back. Just uh, one, an interesting yeah. thing. Um, you, maybe you could tell me who said this, um, Bernard. But uh, one, you know, one of the seven sources of power. One of the sayings is that the power accrues to the person uh, who can. Deliver certainty or minimise uncertainty. Um, Daniel, um, I guess uh, you heard what Bernard had to say there. Mm-hmm. I mean, as, as someone who, I mean, obviously we're talking about the special situations where there's uh, a, a restructuring, whether it's formal or otherwise. Uh, I mean, what sort of challenges do you have in terms of uh, getting everyone on the same page? I mean, I don't know if you can actually pull them together as a team, all those different parties, yeah. or at least getting them on the same page.
1: Yeah, look, a lot of what Bernard was saying then really resonated with um, what we see um, in a in a restructuring scenario, and and I, I've been lucky enough to work um, all over the world. So, whether that be in North America or South America or um, Europe or uh, or if you're in a, you know, I did a lot of work in the Caribbean as well, or you're, you know you're in a local jurisdiction, peoples. Um, uh, uh, concerns are, are pretty consistent they they want that or they're chasing as much certainty and comfort as they can possibly get and in a restructuring scenario you're in a in a situation where there's all that certainty has been taken away from them so building trust quickly is a really important thing and I think there's a few things that go with that and and things like showing empathy and understanding of the people's position and where, and where you know the, the problems they're facing um, I think then you know being honest and consistent and saying well look I can't guarantee you anything in this scenario, but what we can guarantee you is that we're going to be working really hard, um, and this is the and and this is our vision, and this is where we're going to take you and and getting people to sort of come on that journey, and and keeping people on that journey is 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 you know is really then about being consistent with what you've said, and your actions need to marry what you've told people that, that you're doing, and if you are going to change, for whatever reason, because you're in such a a, a dynamic situation, then you need to be honest and, and, and bring people with that. So with you on that. And I think, you know, and, and that point you make about bringing people together is, is massively important because you can't do everything yourself, you know, no matter how good you are in a trading business, you know, look, whether that be we're, we're trading a supermarket through COVID um, or we're doing a national chain, like Watchworks, or you're doing Hertz with 38,000 employees, you know, like it, you can't trade those businesses on your own. So a real fundamental piece that that's probably overlooked in a lot of what we do is is on is is creating certainty and trying to and bring a vision and bringing people through. Because I can't scan baked beans and I can't, you know, I can't rent a car and I can't do all those sorts of things. So we need people there. It's a fundamental part of what we do. Um, so all of those things that Bernard sort of really talked about there is, is are things that are really. On day one are really conscious in front of mind so um, we can't go through a sale process if we ca- if we haven't bettered down operations so you know and you and you're looking at people and they're sitting there and they've got I've got a family to feed I've got mortgage payments to make i might yeah it could be rent, it could be whatever their stresses are and a lot of their own personality identity are also uh, also attached to the to the business you, you know a lot of people sort of think that it's a job but for a lot of people there's there's identity with that job as well so there's a lot of emotions that are going through um, in that situation. It's a, it's a really uh, emotionally charged situation. So your role, and a big part of your role, if you want to do an effective restructuring or or sell the business, is you need to calm that situation down pretty quickly, and and you need you need to bet operations down. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot to that, and and early early in your engagement with people, it's 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 probably. It's one of the more fundamental things that it, that is really sort of in in my mind, anyway.
0: Well, Bernard, um, I guess uh, you know Daniel's just talked there a little bit about uh, you know the the, the feelings of, of people that are involved in, in particularly in these restructuring scenarios and, and what their concerns are. I mean, what are the... And, and, and we're talking? We've talked a lot about, I guess, employees, but of course, there's also. Uh, you know, it's one thing to get the employees and the management team on board, but, of course, you've got to also get the bank on board because if the bank um, if the bank uh, doesn't like the plan, the bank doesn't back the plan, well, it could be game over. Uh, Ditto with the suppliers. In the end, you've got to, you know, you've got to vote. You've got to get the suppliers to vote in favour of a restructuring plan if it's a, if it's a formal restructuring plan. And uh, I guess in those scenarios, particularly when you're talking to bankers and creditors. One of their big concerns is, well, you've put this plan on the table, and that's all very well, but how do we know that you're going to be able to execute on that plan? Um, you know, so what, what are you know what are some of the things uh, people can do to sort of take the take the sting out of the uncertainty for, for those scenarios?
2: Yeah, great, great question, Nick. And and I want to come back to a couple of points you you made, Daniel. And preeminent uh, English novelist said, "When when nothing is sure, everything is possible," um, which is which is which is great to to hold on in uh, in these times. If I may just touch on your point around um, you know this 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 natural orientation we have for certainty and and, and clarity. And and in such times, my invitation to leaders is, and this may sound paradoxical, is is stop trying to provide certainty and clarity. You can't. All you can do is instill confidence. Hmm. And, um, you know, uncertainty is just part of life. We we live in it. Uh, it's, It's when we accept the normality of uncertainty, we move into places of greater confidence. But let, let me come back to your specific question. I've been involved in the back end of some mergers and acquisitions. And I, I've got a, it's, it's never this simple, but I, I do have a, a, a very simple perspective on this. And I'll shape two examples, one that worked and one that didn't. And that is, you know, in a restructure, wherever this is a merge and acquisition, they rise or fall based on the quality of the working relationships between the parties. And, 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 Daniel, you, you, um, you mentioned, you know, trust and respect. Absolutely. There, 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 there are eight elements that are critical, that are at play in such instances around restructure, um, particularly where there's conflicting interests. And that is, the, you know, the level of respect we bring to each other. And, and that's and, and what I mean by that, respect for the diverse perspectives and opinions. You know, the, the level of trust, um, the the appreciation of the concerns of the respective stakeholders, and um, the legitimization of that, you know, the appreciation we share amongst the collective stakeholders. What's the mood? What's the mood when we show up? I'm, I'm doing an enormous amount of work with what's the mood that's going to serve us in working through. Um, what's in front of us? You know, are we, are we showing up in a mood of frustration, annoyance, irritation, um, um, uh, helplessness? Or are we showing up in a mood of acceptance, ambition, enthusiasm, curiosity? You know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's critical at times, like particularly in restructures. What's the mood associated
0: with it? Well, with these restructures, Bernard, there's a lot of, uh, they're very intense because it's all about the money in many respects. You know, your your employees want to know if they're going to get paid. Suppliers, you know, they're being asked to uh, eat what I might call a mud sandwich uh, when it comes to 10 cents in the dollar or 20 cents in the dollar. Um, The bank may or may not have to take a haircut, they may or may not have to wait for their money. They may have, you know, Daniel may be um, sort of trying to lead the restructuring effort on behalf of uh, of the directors. On the other hand, someone else might be trying to re- lead that restructuring effort, and Daniel's been uh, asked to uh, to come in uh, to, to 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 advise the bank. It gets it does get very tense. Uh, obviously, money uh, creates. Um, pressure.
1: I mean, yeah, how, how you're dragging it all together. It, and, and look, I think um, Bernard touched on some really important points in in, in that. And um, and I think when you start to start to understand what the various stakeholders' interests are, um, that's a really a really important part to to restructuring a business. Because it's only when you understand what their motivations are that you you can start to pull together a, a deal. And I, I do like the whole you know where there is uncertainty everything is possible because you know we're coming in pretty much with a clean slate at that point and we are looking you know all all options are available but you know in in terms of creating a, a restructuring it's not too dissimilar to a, a deal where you're also looking at what each party's leverage points are um, because if you if you're dealing to your point if you're dealing with a bank where there's the first ranking security and you're, you're you're really needing to bring them on a on the journey um to, for this to be successful, you need to understand that so and that might not be a bank. it might be a key supplier and the business can't operate without, without that key supplier. So you need to understand um, who, who holds the leverage in that in that discussion um, so that you can you can drag that, that um, restructured business together. Um, because if you do all that in isolation, um, you'll invariably find you're going to fail because you, you you won't have the support that you need to run the business into the future. So, and and I think that's probably in a situation where you don't have competitive, you know, competitive interest in the business, but where you've got multiple parties, then, then that just throws another complexity into into, you know, to your negotiations.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm sure you've been at uh, meetings that you you maybe you've chaired where uh, all of a sudden somebody's turned up uh, and it turns out that they've got uh, half the proxies. Um, and, they, you know, they've got uh, those interests. And it's not all of a sudden you're dealing with time pressures as well because if you can't get them across the line, um, uh, you know, in a relatively short space of time, then, uh, then you're in all sorts of trouble. Um, Bernard, uh, we had uh, one of our guests um, last week, Arabella McPherson, uh, made the comment that um, there is no new normal. Like, there, there is no new normal, right? So I think it was getting back to something that you were saying there, that just grappling with... Um, just we're in, it's, it's, we're in turmoil. That's just the way it is, and that's the new reality. I mean, is that, is that how you see things?
2: Absolutely, Nick. I, I just want to share with you a, a perspective, uh, on, and I guess this goes to our human beings, and that is we, we are never not in breakdown. Let, let, let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, we are never not having to deal with unanticipated interruptions and interferences. Never not. You know, so very practically on an individual level, I'm late for a meeting. All of a sudden there's a tailback and I'm going to be so late. And, but what do we do? We, we adjust. We adapt. Right now, right now, our existing knowledge, experience, and wisdom isn't sufficient to get us through a a crisis is just a collective breakdown that's all it is it's it's a collective breakdown and how do we how do we show up open to see things differently if you think back how we've come through the last four months it's not doing what we know it's opening ourselves up to what we don't know and if you think about it, you know how how are we opening up open and prepared to to look to see things differently and and my my advice is is you know to 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 lead us at this time be be accepting of not knowing be accepting oh. of not knowing because that that's going to create a space of of accessing. Uh, possibilities that otherwise, in a mood of anxiety, in a mood of anger, in a mood of disappointment, are close to one.
0: Mm. Um, Daniel, I, I wonder, um, one of the challenges, uh, particularly in this uh, scenario that that I was describing a little bit earlier, it was a, a transport company. And, you know, as the financier, it's not my role to, to lead a restructuring effort. But very often you'll see that unless someone stands up and shows some leadership, uh, the thing's going to fall apart. You know, the administrator can just go through the motions. The administrator's not going to get shot for letting the thing go into liquidation for lack of somebody standing up and showing some leadership. Uh, You know, the bank will go through the motions, the assets will get sold, uh, unless someone sort of shows a bit of initiative. I often describe this to my own staff when it comes to even sales scenarios, but, but also restructuring scenarios. Often it's like you're in the battle trench and someone's got to stand up and say... We're going to run at that nest of machine guns over there, and believe me, we're going to get it if we if we do it this way. Mm-hmm. If we run hard, and we we'll take that nest. Just follow me, and that's what leadership is. It's being able to run out of the trench, knowing that everybody else is going to follow you. Um, I mean, how do you um, how do you get someone to step up uh, in those scenarios to actually to to show the leadership that's needed? To as I say, with these restructures, they can very easily. Just fall away into a liquidation or you know the bank will say no, I just want the assets sold how do you get somebody to step up?
1: It's a, it's a really interesting question. Um, and I look, I think that the comment you make around uh, voluntary administration into liquidation, it's a pretty common thing. but I mean if we look at the, the first section the first words of that section of the act that talks to the voluntary administration process, it says to maximize the chances of the company continuing into existence. And if that's not possible, you know, maximising the return to creditors in that scenario. So, really, we're charged with how do we restructure this business? How do we how do we keep this going? So, I think it's it's really um, it's not the administrator's role, if you like, to um, to use your example, but to run at the you know the <laughs> nest of machine guns. But it, it's to, to provide a provide an environment where the person that wants to drive the business forward and into the future after. The administration process you need someone that wants to to do that so your role is to facilitate that run if you like um, and be open to um, to to proposals that are going to to provide that
0: have you ever experienced that frustration and maybe said to the client's lawyer listen buddy you know you need to step up and and show some leadership here otherwise because I can't you know as you say as administrator it's not yeah. up to you necessarily
1: yeah I mean, and look, you're also, you're sitting there as the administrator, your obligations or the, the you know, the interests in the company are really sitting with the creditors at the point where the business is insolvent. So you, you need to have those as a, as your backdrop as well. But you look, yeah, look, you, you do get situations where you're frustrated, where you really want someone to take some leadership. Conversely, um, you, you also get environments where you get the, um, you know, the, the eternal optimist that's, um, you know, is... Is trying to sail around, you know, sort of balloon around the world with a with a, a party balloon filled with a helium. So it's, um, you know, you get frustration on both sides of that, um, and and equally. Um, but I, I think really fundamentally and importantly, it's it my your role is to provide the environment and be open to the restructure. So Bernard's talked around and said, I, I do like it. It's anything is possible. You know, yeah. we come into it with a with no preconceived ideas or, or about how the business is you know run initially anyway uh and you you're really you're open to well what is the art of the possible and, and yeah. some people are really good at it and uh as well and we've we've seen some examples where um one one recently i'm aware of that um that you know we've been involved in where the the person that uh, the administrator which wasn't me but um has done an amazing job at, at turning the business around and and providing a a really good runway for that business moving forward
0: all right well look uh we are running out of time so uh, i i think that a great takeout that quote of yours bernard is uh is very, uh, very positive, and uh, I think that'll be the that'll be the quote of the day. But just uh, before we wrap up, um, just sort of final thoughts, Bernard. Maybe uh, a final piece of advice for this scenario, and then I'll come to you, Daniel.
2: I'm going to come back to your question, Nick, around you know leadership stepping up because if there were ever was a time, it's right now. And you know how how do leaders get acceptance for a decision that others may not necessarily agree with? And that's what we need right now. How do we get stakeholders acceptance? of a decision of a direction without necessarily agreeing with it and I can't help coming through you know at this point and it's it's it sounds simple uh, but it's deeply deeply challenging and that is under what conditions am I prepared to accept, accept a decision I don't necessarily agree with it's when I feel understood when I feel listened to and um, I think in our rush and hurry to get things done now, let leaders. I'm, I'm just inviting leaders just to stay in listening, listening for what's of concern to others, not not with the intent to solve the problem. You can't just legitimise it. That's what empathy is. Empathy is mm-hmm. about listening with the intent to understand. That's uh,
0: yeah. That's that's very interesting. But look, well, um, I, I'm I'm thinking of uh, Stephen Covey's habit for uh, seek. Sikh- Seek to understand, and then to be understood. Uh, is probably it, that's it, about exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah. And, All know, right. Let's go back. There's wisdom in that. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Bernard. Uh, final thoughts, Daniel? Yeah.
1: Look, it's uh, it's been great talking about this. I, I find uh, this leadership and and understanding motivations one of the more interesting parts of with what I do. But um, look, I think as Bernard says, spend time understanding what the motivations of the the the, the people involved, the parties are, and uh, and I think that's fundamentally important because during, during a restructure, you'll have multiple parties with, with self in, people acting in self-interest, so not too dissimilar to, you know, to game theory and, um, you know, you've got multiple people thinking with different, different motivations and some people, frankly, just want to see Rome burn um, and, and because it's, it's in their best interest to see that. So you need to understand why people are acting in a certain way. Uh, and then, and then spend time thinking about why why they might be doing that, and then and then fun, you know, and how that might derail what is going to be in the in ultimately in the company and the creditors and the and, and everyone's best interest. So you need to understand that.
0: I mean, look, you've just mentioned a couple of things there: uh, game theory and uh, that, that 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 those people who uh, if they're going to lose. Ninety cents in the dollar, they may as well see Rome burn. We could talk for another hour all about that, but look, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, uh, Bernard. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you very much to our uh, our live viewers on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, uh, and thank you very much to those of you uh, who are listening to us later on uh, on replay on YouTube or uh, via the podcast platforms. Thank you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers.